don't promise somebody that you're going to give them fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a a month when you, realistically you know after they've signed it's going to be kind of two k. That's that's only going to leave you with with egg in your face and sour the relationship. And I think we've I've I've always gone into those conversations with a with a publisher along the lines of a true partnership and say, look, I'll be honest with you, where we are right now, we think it's a two k, five k, ten k a month opportunity. But if we can work together, I think over three months, we'll hopefully kind of scale that, you know, and, and that really has served as well, I think, not just me, but just how, how we've gone about kind of growing that with, with our publishers, because I, I know from their side, they, they can't report to their bosses, oh, yeah, I've got a 50K a month campaign, uh, partnership coming in, and now it's coming in at five. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's going to yeah. kill, kill any kind of trust bet, 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 between you. But if, if you can... You can under promise and over deliver. You're, you're, you're kind of getting there. Yeah. Welcome, trust builders. I'm Sue Dyer, and this is Lead with Trust, where we explore how leaders can build their business on a foundation of trust and reap the rewards of becoming the top performer in their market. Leaders that understand how to use and leverage trust are uniquely positioned to disrupt their industry and dominate their market. Distrust of businesses and business leaders is at an all-time high. Trusted businesses must have trusted leaders, and your team, your customers, and your vendors are waiting for you to step up and elevate the level of trust in your business. My hope is that this podcast can help you start your trusted leader journey. Trust Builders. Welcome to this episode. And I'm really uh, excited about this episode. It it comes uh, to you from a wonderful entrepreneur that has been on a journey from being self-employed, growing up in a little town in Wales, and then creating a partnership, which then grew his business again exponentially. And then a merger with a French company that really transformed their business, and they continue to scale today across the world. And so I think it's a wonderful thing to see the entrepreneurial journey of a particular person, a particular leader, and you're going to see that he absolutely, every step of the way, uh, is building trust so that these things can happen. You can't possibly have customers, uh, partners, or merge two separate businesses from two separate countries uh, without having a high degree of trust. So uh, I really enjoyed learning more about Dale Lovell and his entrepreneurial journey, and I think you will too. So let's listen in. Here we go. So welcome to Lead with Trust. Uh, Today, we are so privileged to have Dale Lovell with us. He is a co-founder, I believe it is, of a company called Ad You Like. And I can't wait to learn more. So uh, welcome. And and I always start off with it with a weird question. So, uh, tell me a little bit about when you were in uh, what what would be equivalent to high school for you. Uh, what kind of groups? What group did you belong to? What groups? Okay, <laughs> it's a good start. Um, 
So a little bit about me, I suppose. So my my, my background, maybe maybe some of your listeners might not be so familiar with my accent. I'm um, I'm, I'm I'm British, but I I grew up in West Wales, so I'm I'm Welsh. So um, I spent my teenage years or my early early life speaking speaking English and Welsh, and I, I grew up in a in a very small town, rural West Wales um, area in terms of the. Kind of groups of people I, I hang around with. It was it was quite a small secondary school. I suppose there was a combination of what what Americans might call jocks. <laughs> in, in terms of in terms of that that element, I was um, the area I'm from, and 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 Wales is quite famous for for rugby. So the, the sport of rugby. So I, I played quite a lot of that as a in in my youth for my for my sins. Um, yeah, and I suppose it was maybe. Maybe maybe not the best best behaved group of group of group of people that were, that, that we all hung hung around with. It was fairly fairly innocent for the most part, but um, yeah, I suppose there was maybe a bit of that. That's so boisterous, funny because boisterousness. That you, that <laughs> my son played rugby in yeah. college, so okay, yeah. And then now my two grand his his sons they just started playing rugby. They just started, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> they just started a new league and they just started playing rugby. Rugby is definitely rougher than football <laughs> <laughs> from from my experience yes it can, it can be quite rough yeah yeah and uh yes yeah, so yeah that, that's kind of my 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 background i suppose so so that so that tells us a lot about you actually you're kind of kind of got some toughness to you there <laughs> not sure yeah i think in, i think rugby is very way, quite, um, one, one thing i do find with rugby it's quite uh it's a competitive sport, obviously, and 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 it's a team sport, which which maybe helps with, with some some aspects of entrepreneurship or life. If you if you if if you if if, if you want to kind of build some of those analogies, but I do think um, because it is quite a tough sport, you you do have to be quite competitive with yourself in terms of when when you're playing when you're playing that game, you know. And I, I think I think it does kind of. Teach you some skills that that, not, that you, the the reward for hard work, so to speak, is is, is sometimes painful. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know <laughs> yes, if that makes it, it makes perfect sense, but um, yeah, I, I, nothing comes easily. Is maybe the, the no, the yeah, no. My I remember my son was probably a junior or senior, and he had organic chemistry final. And he had gotten a concussion in one of his rugby games. <laughs> he called me up and said, I keep reading the same things, but I can't understand what I'm yeah. reading. But he managed to get through. So that's <laughs> good. Oh, good. Well, he, he must he must have enjoyed the sport to encourage his, his children to play. So. He did. He played after college, too, in like uh-huh. old man's and some other uh, okay. adult. Yeah, he also so, co- went back and coached it at the college. Okay, cool. When he was in yeah, med yeah. school. So yeah, he really, really Good. liked it. Yeah. yeah. So so tell us about your journey of entrepreneurship. Uh, how, how did you how did you kind of get to where you are and in and in the business you have? And then we, I also want to know a lot more about your business. Cool. So my was my my route to to becoming an entrepreneur is is, is maybe a don't know whether it's a well-trodden path or or, or not, but my, my background. Let, let's go go another way. Then I'm I'm from an area of Wales where I think a lot of people work for themselves. Um, my you know farmers, forestry workers, builders, and 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 whatnot. There, so I think I've always kind of grown up in an environment of of people working working for them for themselves. 
post kind of graduating from from university, I for my sins, I, I wanted to be a, a writer. I think a, a, a journalist um, in my in my in my kind of youth. I, th- I saw that as a as a viable career path, mainly because I, I, I hated maths at school and any anything kind of um, numer- numerical to some extent. I, I, I couldn't bear it, and I was always drawn towards you know English history, literature, and 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 stuff like that. And I had an interest in it and. I actually thought I could string a sentence together with a with a pen, um, and so essay writing stuff like that. I didn't feel I felt was more my forte than looking at spreadsheets or science or or, or, or elements like that. So I applied for a job straight out of university and and, and got a job basically basically working on uh, an internet startup, which was basically a, a new publishing venture. This was back in two thousand and one, so the, the kind of early days of the the, the internet, and I think. The crosshairs of a maybe wanting to work in publishing, writing something creative on that side of things, but also maybe a bit of a background in terms of self-employment, working for yourself, kind of fitted in well with that startup kind of culture that maybe maybe you know all hands on deck that 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 type of um, type of type of process or, or placement. how many people were in the startup how many uh, so when i joined i think there was five people so it was so very pretty, very much small. very very yeah. much startup startup and i and and you know i think i think that that played in a bit to my my background my my mentality maybe at the time i, I couldn't really imagine working in a in a very corporate environment and maybe going into some of those graduate schemes that you know white collar kind of stuff like that you know I, I, again I, I felt a, I didn't really have any kind of. I didn't know anybody from that kind of background. Kind of grow, growing up in in in, a, in an area where you know nobody really worked in offices, <laughs> so 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 I didn't have parents, uh, friends of parents and stuff like that that, that that kind of had that background. And if I, if I'm honest, my 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 kind of office skills were were fairly limited as well at that that time. I'd not really done much office work. I. This was when nobody used computers as much as they did kind of now. So, you know, I, could, I, I struggled sometimes to, you know, type stuff up in Word essays and stuff like that. It was, it was all quite, quite new, which if you say that to a 20-year-old today, they'd look at you and go, you're, you're, you're such an old man. But uh, <laughs> um, so long story short, I kind of got into that that process uh, the, so what were you that, doing that there that company so i was were you a, writing an editorial assistant basically okay. so i was you know in the content team of two or three of us and and my job did involved everything from writing articles on various different topics to being in charge of some of the competition entries it was kind of like magazine type stuff it was it was actually an over 50s website and i was 20 21 years old um <laughs> And and the the idea behind it was that it would be the gateway to the internet for the older older generation for silver surfers, which is quite a, a, um, a well well known phrase for a time. What attracted it to me, I think, was a it was a job that paid and it was editorial. Great, it was it was you know better than than bar work and stuff like that that I'd been doing at the time. Um, B it was there was a breadth of content that you kind of wrote about it wasn't kind of right now i'm going to be writing about cars or just writing about gardening or something like that i got got to got to practice writing about all those kind of topics which which was good and then on the editorial on the assistant side really i was kind of learning how to edit websites at a very early early stage 
Uh, so it was it was half it was half kind of front end development, half you know diving into the HTML code whenever we needed to update a page, stuff like that, which you know was all kind of learned on the job, all very kind of haphazard, no real kind of processes to it. But I, I enjoyed that kind of environment, and and I ended up working there for about four years, doing various different roles. Ended up being more of the the kind of publicist and editor for it. I used to we used to do elements of what became kind of content marketing. Part of my job was um, to interview a lot of older older celebrities that maybe maybe came were on the circuit in the UK. Uh, people like Alice Cooper, Bill Wyman, and 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 all all of the kind of aging rock stars <laughs> that were, were were kind of around. Um, which was quite intimidating as a as a young man to sometimes kind of uh, have a conversation with them. But what what I actually found after a while was that once they realised I I wasn't the same age as them, a lot of these older rock stars started showing off a little bit to a younger guy. They kind of wanted to tell me how you know how many women they could sleep with, they slept with when they were younger, and how cool they were. And so I used to play <laughs> up to that a little bit sometimes. And it was, the important it was, word is there's were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was it, it, it was it was a lot of fun basically work, working there and, and doing lots of things but then obviously as you get a bit older you kind of wanted a bit more experience um and then moved on from there to a a travel website actually which was based in the u.s called uh sherman's travel i don't know if any of you may have come across it they're similar to travel zoo if you've come across them okay. uh, i was their uk launch editor for, for a while on that fast forward again long story short Basically, but by the time I got to about the age of 28, 29, I realized that I'd only ever been hired by kind of entrepreneurs in this kind of startup type of type of space. And I'd, I'd learned a lot of PR, publicity, content marketing, digital editing skills. This was around the start of the, the Great Recession, I suppose. So, so I, I just kind of, um, I, I was made redundant from a from from a role within a startup, and I kind of realised that actually now was a good time, as good a time as ever, to kind of go out on my own, kind of do, you know, see see what I could do in terms of um, elements there. So I started very small my entrepreneurial life, more more as a a content and marketing freelancer, really. You know, one one man band, pushing 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 that kind of stuff through, and I, I did actually feel quite comfortable in that role quite quite early on I, I, I felt it, it didn't feel like it wasn't part of me if that makes sense and I'm, I'm sure when you speak to other 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 leaders they, they maybe maybe have, have, have felt the same in the, in, the, in those situations but um yeah and then ultimately after a, after a few months of kind of doing that I, I, I was chatting with my with my friend and, and basically we decided to, to kind of launch a business, a, a, a more serious kind of business together and became kind of business partners on that. That business, we, we scaled, we completely bootstrapped to maybe 20, 25 people working from my spare bedroom to begin with the usual kind of story that, that, that you'd see there. Um, and, and that was, that started off really as a, as a content production kind of house so running blogs producing content basically to order for for brands and 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 their agencies uh that kind of morphed into then being part of the the kind of content distribution 
side of things. So blogger outreach, a lot of the content marketing stuff. This is kind of about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, that, that kind of period. So not to bore you with too much SEO kind of speak, but uh, it was around the time that Google changed a lot of their algorithms and rewarded content. That was kind of the background that I'd come into this, the marketing element bit with my content expertise. That really just kind of scaled uh, scaled our business quite nicely because suddenly you had um, lots of brands suddenly realised they needed good regular copy for their blogs, for their websites to help their SEO efforts, which is obviously something that's continued through through the last kind of decade or so. So we were in a we were in a good spot. We kind of you know identified that quite early on and went went kind of well on that, and it and it grew, and then we got more into that distribution side of things, working with our partners. I, I, I am coming to an end in a second, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, want to, I want to hear so much more about the content distribution yeah. and uh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we jumped, basically we, we saw this, uh, or Francis rather, my business partner saw this, um, this thing happening in the, in, in, in the US called native advertising, which we, you know, increasingly kind of, now, for our listeners, yeah. explain explain what that is. Yeah, so native advertising effectively is um, a form of content distributed uh, that looks and feels like um, a piece of editorial around the site. So they're fairly ubiquitous now, in, in, in all honesty. So um, the, the way our business and how, how we kind of describe it in a very very quick elevator pitch is Facebook style adverts, but on the on the open web. So if you're on um, the New York Times or the Washington Post or um, the Guardian website in the in the UK, etc., you, you'll you'll see a, a piece of content which is labelled as sponsored. Quite often they have a different kind of colour coding on it or, or or something like that, but it's it's labelled as an ad. But it looks and feels like the editorial around it, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, so you see those often, all the time in your feed. Exactly. You just didn't know exactly. where they came from. Exactly. So, so that, that that's what our business does today. Obviously, ten years ago, that that was a very, very new, and pioneering thing um, that had kind of kind of arisen from from kind of nowhere, and and it's morphed in, into various different guises kind of since then. Um, but the business, so so we we saw this thing called native advertising. We were we were the more we looked at it, the more we realised actually this is kind of what we're doing, but without the name attached to it at the moment. But what we didn't have was a bit of technology to kind of help us distribute that content. We felt like we had the 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 kind of UK business relationships kind of there. Uh, we felt like it was the natural evolution to a lot of the kind of SEO type content marketing that was happening, and it, and it played to to some of our strengths, kind of as as individuals and as a business. What happened then, really, we um, we we did the usual thing of we went out looking for some investment. Uh, long story short, we met the original investor in in Adulike, which was a, fr- a French business set up by. Um, my co-founders Julian and, and Johan, they wanted to launch in the UK. We, they had the technology. We basically had the business set up and the, and the team ready to go in the UK. We negotiated for for a while and got to know each other, and then effectively kind of merged the businesses, and, and we became Adulike in the UK. And then we launched the 
the native advertising uh, spree, basically in 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 the UK, uh, which which effectively as we've been doing now for eight years or so. Or no, no, yeah, nearly eight years. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of not a lot of those ads that you see, a lot of those placements that you you see uh, on websites today, myself or somebody like me, one of my competitors has in the early days knocked on doors of, of the publishers and basically sold in the concept of native advertising to them, which seems kind of obvious today, but go back six, seven years ago, and a lot of a lot of publishers were basically like, well, no, our ads go here, here, and here. This is what we can't go to the editorial team and say, you want to take an ad in this feed and, you know, take that slot that's not there, you know? So, so we have to make that kind of commercial case as, as, as well as kind of allay editorial concerns um, within that as well. But that's, Let's get maybe maybe a bit. Yeah, specific. well, no, it varies <laughs> to things that uh, are now completely blurred. I mean, and now they have the rules where you have to put that it's an ad, where that that wasn't the case for a long time either. Yeah. Uh, so our our we we've always had to run with with the labeling of an ad, and and our our pushback for that is if if you're paying somebody to promote your content. And then you should be proud of the content you're promoting. And as a brand, you should be happy to have your name on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Otherwise, you're just pushing a bit of PR, you know? Yes. So quick question. So you, you merged with a, techno- a company that had the technology. What tech did they bring that allowed you to, uh, you know? Uh, so that, that was your- the technology of how we integrate with a publisher. Basically, okay. so um, if, if if you're an advertiser, say you're Coca-Cola, you come to us. We rather than go individually to twenty, thirty, a hundred different websites, <laughs> you can you can you can basically go live across all of those with with just loading up the content. So that's in, your distribution. That, that was our distribution. Yeah, it okay. was the technology for the integration. Basically, that's which, awesome. Which in the very early days, and now which is still there, it's still the core bit of our business, but obviously. The, We've evolved a uh, hundredfold, kind of since since then, and kind of um, scaled quite, quite, quite massively along with that native advertising push. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so I want to know where you are today and where you think you're going in the future too. Sorry. Um, so today, t- today where I think. We're a 30, $30 million business kind of with operations kind of globally. Our main offices are London, New York, and Paris. We are about 85 people strong. Um, our, all of our tech is still, still, still run from France. Um, a lot of our business operations are kind of run from, from London. Um, and then we have kind of sales houses and, and partnerships kind of a, a, around the world. So and, and, and we're generally running campaigns or, or our our supply is available. We have publisher partnerships with all the major com- countries kind of worldwide, even though we don't have offices in uh, kind of Singapore or Asia, for example, we're, we're, we're still running numerous campaigns kind of in, in those markets, working with suppliers from, uh, from, from London or Paris. Yeah, so the business has grown. Massively, it's kind of evolved evolved quite quite quickly from uh, from, from fairly small startups, basically um, both sides of the both sides of the English Channel in, into into a big 
a big independent uh, native SSP now, which, which means that we can take kind of programmatic advertising um, as, as, as well as our kind of direct direct demand. Um, in terms of where we're going, the you know the we still feel like the there's a lot of evolution to come in in the market in terms of kind of the the the, the ad tech ecosystem, the investment that's that's coming into it. That there's there's numerous opportunities in 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 some of our major markets, in the major markets in the US, in 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 Europe, in Asia, um, as as well as with more scale within the formats themselves. If, if that makes sense. So incre- yeah, especially with like yeah. Web 3.0 and things like that, there will be integrations yeah. for that too. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Which is something I, I kind of did did touch upon, kind of in a, in in a book I wrote on native advertising in in, in 2017. The benefit of of native advertising, in my mind, is that I think it's a it's it's the first kind of indigenous ad format for the web. If what I mean by that, and I'll probably tie myself up in knots when I talk about it. Um, what what I mean by that is that um, if you take a traditional banner ad that you see on the internet, you know what what is a banner ad? A banner ad really is a print advert transposed onto the internet. That that's what happened in the early nineties when they were like, let's put some ads on a page. What what do you do? You take the the magazine ad and you stick it on stick it on the web. Although some people may may argue differently, if you look at kind of a YouTube ad, what is it? A TV, um, it's, it's a TV ad, really chopped up. Most most online video ads, which are basically TV ads, kind of chopped up in in some shape or form. Um, kind of kind of these days, native advertising. There isn't, you know, it's it it's designed to fit into the environment that you're published. In which is increasingly mobile. If you if you're scrolling through the web, you know if you take your Instagram kind of ad format, you know it, it, it it's not jarring. And 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 yeah, there, there may be too many of those ads on a on a, on a page, or the content of the ads you you may not like, but the actual format is 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 quite seamless. And I think I think that's kind of one of the big benefits of of native advertising. And with that, it means that it can move with the changing nature of the internet. So when we go into the metaverse for example in the in 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 the future you you may there'll there'll be new iterations of native advertising uh kind of within there in 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 my mind because it's 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 a fluid format to kind of help help that um that transition so so to speak yeah you know and, and within that then you know you could call all digital advertising is native advertising and then you'll have 20 different versions of what that means kind of within it which i think is the the way digital advertising kind of always always works i think hi this is sue sorry to interrupt the episode but i'm so excited that my new book the trusted leader is about to launch And if it's after February 1st, 2022, then it's already out there. And so I'm so excited because for years, I've been asked to help leaders to create a high trust environment. We have worked for 35 years to go in and help leaders uh, through intervening and facilitating the development of high trust teams and businesses. 
And now I'm teaching leaders how to do this for yourself. And trust is so important because it's really like having your foot on the gas of your business. And in so many businesses, people are working so hard, but their foot is on the brake as well. And so you expend a lot of time, energy, resources, and you just can't get where you should or could get. And so I hope you will go and get the book now and start your trusted leader journey. You can go to www.sudico.com slash book, and you can get the book there and you can pre-order the book there, or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or anywhere that you get your books. But I hope you'll go and get it and start reading it. I can't wait to get your feedback and to be on a trusted leader journey with you. Let's get back to the show. What I really love is your perspective that you were there starting this really at the beginning, maybe before the beginning, and then emerged and evolved with it. And uh, I don't know a lot of people that have. They sort of came in at, at, a, at a spot where it was already there and, they, and maybe they took it and did something with it. But I love that you have this yeah. evolutionary point of view. I think uh, my, I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of business, you know, rightly or wrongly, I think I've come into native advertising through the content or <laughs> give it with, with, with my background as a, yes. as, as a con, con, content person and content marketer. I think because ultimately it's a it's a it's a technology. A lot of people that work in the business are maybe coming coming at it from a, a more of a tech background, if, if if that makes sense. More of an ad tech background, yeah. which yeah. is your traditional kind of Google engineer type kind of um, background in terms of how it works. You know whether whether that's an asset or not. The way that my how I've entered the market or not, I don't know. <laughs> But, um, well, I think you got to have both. I mean, if you yeah. really want to be effective, you you kind of have to have both. You have to have the ability to make content is always going to be king. The technology is just the platform that yeah. allows it. I do. I do think it was a it was definitely a benefit in the early days when, uh, like I said, you had to sell in a format to a publisher, and increasingly there's the church and state divide where you'd be having a, a good conversation with a with the commercial team and then they go, we need to run this past the editor. And, you know, sometimes they'd be like, no, I don't want any more ads on a, on a, on a page. And I, you know, I, I did used to be able to, to have maybe more open conversations in that way. I think maybe because I, I kind of identified having been an editor of a website myself kind of what their concerns were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just have a different perspective. I want to ask about trust, and there's kind of two areas that I, I, I think will be really interesting to learn more about uh, in your merger between countries, <laughs> between companies. Yeah. You know, how did trust play into that, and then uh, with your clients, because in in really the person who's developing the content is the voice of the business. How does trust play into yeah. that? It's a good, good, good question. You know, in terms of, um, and I'm, this is many years ago now, actually, as well, the, the, the kind of merger. So um, I, th- I think ultimately, if you, if you, before you go into any kind of business relationship or when you enter any kind of business relationship, whether it's as a merging of companies or just as a key partner that, that you're working with, I think you, 
you, you have to kind of identify that you're you're on a similar similar tack. You, you kind of uh, agree that you're you're working in the same same direction, the, the same same kind of space, um, and 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 that you've got kind of some mutual goals that you that you're all work, working to achieve. I think um, you know that that that's the key thing to firstly establish. Um, something I always say when. About, about my business partner Francis, and choose a business partner partner wisely. And then from my point of view, the the ultimate yes, you have to trust each other, obviously, as business partners, and 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 how you have how that works. But um, the one thing I think that if you, if you don't have the same work ethic, <laughs> then that that is where trust and the relationship can kind of break down in in the early days of a startup. If you feel like everybody is pulling. People might be going in different directions to some extent, but everybody's pulling towards the, the kind of shared goal in their own unique way, particularly in the kind of early days. And they can see that you're all kind of working hard and work, making progress um, and pushing each other on, for, for 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 want of a better word. Then I, I, th- I think that is kind of how you how you grow. Yeah, and then you grow to trust that they're going to follow through and do as as much as they can. And yeah, yeah. I think that's very wise. And you know, I've, I've done a lot of interviews and heard a lot of interviews, and I've never heard anybody say that before okay. in, in those <laughs> articulate ways. But I think uh, I think it really does. A lot of times we may put a lot of words around it, but it really comes down to work ethic, yeah, and yeah. commitment. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you know. Yeah. Nothing, nothing would, nothing annoys you more if you feel like you're putting more work in than somebody else. In, in, yeah. in my experience, you know, and and uh, maybe maybe that's my rugby playing experience kind of coming coming to the fore. But you know, you kind of uh, and there's certain job, you know, there's, there's always a time that somebody can't do a job that you you have to only yeah. you can do that role within a business. And you know, there's there's times when you're you know, you, you, you've got more work on than somebody else, but that's fine because you know that if they were in your, your position, they would be doing the same, the same and They thing. would step in you and You know, and, and they'll, they'll step in and pick up yeah. other things that, that kind of need to be done. So I think, I think that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a kind so of So there's key. a new book in there. It's called the rug, Rugby Leadership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll. I'll write it with your son. We can, uh, yeah, we can get the transatlantic thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Yeah. So trust with your clients. So I know yeah. now you, you guys are established, but uh, yeah. even 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 though you're established, it's still uh, when you're writing content for someone, uh, whether it's a brand or a, a personal yeah. brand. I mean, you become their voice, and there's got to be a level of trust there. So how do you establish that? So, so we we're more on the distribution side of content, kind of these 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 days. So, I I, I don't dust my quill off very often for for clients uh, on, on on that side of things. But what I what I've always tried to do, and how we've grown our our publisher partnerships, I think is is, is probably quite key there. But also on the on the demand side as well, when we're working with our, our kind of agency partners, is is if you if you say you're going to do something. Make sure that you do it, <laughs> which, which you know that's you that's how it. you grow. That's how you grow a business, you know. Um, and you know, ult- ultimately, in in the in the early days, we're, 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 I'll give you an example. We're, we're pitching to an, uh, a publisher. You've got them virtually over the line to sign an agreement with you. 
they they really want to work out how much money you're going to be able to bring in by doing this partnership with you because it's a new technology new partnership you, you sometimes sometimes you don't really know actually so you have to kind of weigh up whether you can afford to pay them to make that work or not or you know it's very much trial and error i suppose on on, on that on, on that side of things but um you know don't un, don't don't promise somebody that you're going to give them fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a a month when you, realistically you know after they've signed it's going to be kind of two k. That's that's only going to leave you with with egg in your face and sour the relationship. And I think we've I've I've always gone into those conversations with a with a publisher along the lines of a true partnership and say, look, I'll be honest with you, where we are right now. We think it's a 2K, 5K, 10K a month opportunity. But if we can work together, I think over three months, we'll hopefully kind of scale that, you know? And, and that really has served us well, I think, not just me, but just how, how we've gone about kind of growing that with, with our publishers. Because I, I know from their side, they, they can't report to their bosses, oh, yeah, I've got a 50K a month campaign. Uh, partnership coming in and now it's coming in a five you know that, yeah. that's the, that's going to yeah. kill kill any kind of trust but 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 between you but if if you can if you can under promise and over deliver you're, you're you're kind of getting there yeah 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 absolutely i can see that and when you don't know then uh i love your approach that you know we think it's this being conservative and then prove together that you can you can do it yeah um, so I always like to capture lessons learned. So you've been on this journey for a while. Yeah. What are, what are some of the key lessons you've learned in developing a business and leading that could help other leaders who are, you know, starting or in the middle of, of scaling their business? When it, when it comes to, to building trust, um, and, and, you know, ultimately that, that people have to trust you, whether it's your staff, whether it's your the businesses you you work with that's something actually that i i remember sending off my my one of my very first couple of uh invoices <laughs> way back way back when when i was you know just self-employed and it really dawned on me how much i you know ultimately you're you're so used to just getting a, a salary paycheck kind of the, you, your employee your employer pays you um, and I remember just thinking, if, if none of these, if no one decides to pay me, I've got no money coming in. Because, you know, it, it's built on trust, you know, from from my f- three or four clients that I that I had at, at that time. And, and it did, did dawn on me then how much the kind of business is all about, about, about trust. In terms of kind of lessons, lessons I've learned, there's, you know, I, th- I think for internal, the, the internal culture that you, you kind of, Build or the internal team that you you kind of build in the in the early days is really what carries you forward. I think in terms of the the growth of your your business because when you're a when you're a one or two man band you can kind of do everything. But once you get to a certain level of uh, you know five six seven eight eight plus you're 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 really kind of stretched a little bit thin then in terms of kind of what you're what you're capable of of doing and you really do have to rely on your your team to kind of um to to buy into the the journey that you're going on in terms of kind of how how you do that i think it's kind of age to lead by example so if, if you're asking somebody to do something um you know it, it's not because 
you wouldn't do it yourself. It's because you, you you're too busy. <laughs> ultimately, I'm, I'm quite a big. I'm a big fan of the. I've, I've read quite a few bits of like servant leadership. I'm sure you've come across that that that, that phrase. Um, and I, th- I think naturally in the right startup environment that 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 is the leadership style that kind of works best because i remember in the early days some you know you have a new starter starting you're you're running the company but actually what are you doing you're you're building their desk because you know you need that team or you're fixing the printer you know just little things like that that you you end up doing because you know it's not in your job description and it's not it's not no jobs beneath you in that kind of stage i think um and, and i think that does build a, a a nice kind of culture in terms of everybody chipping in to, to to do everything i think within that as well i do think you have to regardless of the size of your 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 kind of organization your business i've always worked in startups really but i, I do think you have to be your kind of your authentic self now, i know there's a lot of stuff online about authenticity and you know what that looks like and stuff like that but ultimately i think kind of treat people as you want as you'd like to be treated but i think be i think the days of that kind of formality within a corporate type of world i don't i think they're gone really um and whether they ever fully existed i i, I don't know but i think younger generations don't don't warm to that type of approach anyway and i think showing that your your human side to your work colleagues um is 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 beneficial <laughs> ultimately yeah it's, thing, you know, it's interesting that you talk about culture because in some of the interviews i've done and other people i've heard uh who businesses scaled very quickly i hear over and over again how as they scaled so quickly, they really had so many growing pains that they, they, when I ask them their lessons learned, they always say, well, my number one lesson learned is I didn't focus enough on culture. Yeah. When I know that if you focused on culture, then your scaling would have been easier because that would have created the norms and everyone would have normed to those. And then your scaling becomes a lot easier. So I've heard a lot of that story quite often. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if we've we nailed it perfectly or or anything like that. You know, these these are my recollections, I suppose, and and kind of my um, you know, I, th- I think culture it, it's it's a difficult thing to. I think if you if you just study how do I create the greatest culture and you go about trying to create it, in some ways that may feel a bit forced. <laughs> you know, so it's a very hard thing to No, it really comes to, from the, the leader's mindset. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the series of leaders' mindsets. That we I've I've studied it for 35 years. Yeah. And uh that's what we've seen. Um, you can create it from the bottom up, yeah. Uh, but it falls flat if it does isn't congruent with the leader. Yeah. Yeah. All 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 businesses in some shape or form take the Take the guise of the 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 founder to some extent, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah in, they do. Yeah, in, yeah. Because and and your culture can be found in your policies, practices, and processes. So if you really want to know what your culture is, look at those. <laughs> and then when they're inconsistent yeah. with what your your say your values are, then you probably have some work to be done. <laughs> yeah. No, and yeah. I I think you know when you are growing fast, it it, it is. It is challenging, I think. Um, For sure. 
know, it's hard to just integrate the people, but yeah. uh, if you can create this foundation, we found that it's they, quite effective. Yeah, and it's a it's a question which which I always find hard to answer when I'm when I'm interviewing people um, for roles at the in the business. They go, always ask ask you you know they go, what's the culture like? And and I I, I genuinely say. I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that because I, you know, I'm I'm one of the co-founders. Everyone, you say it's like kind of me. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it, it's it's more like you know, whatever I say might not be actually true, <laughs> you know, and 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 then the opinion yeah. of, of 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 what I tell you. So, so my answer to that question, really, to to the majority of them, is that um, for a fast-paced London-based digital advertising business our kind of average turnover of staff is generally or length of time that they they work for us is kind of three plus years that's pretty um, much true we, we, <laughs> yeah we, yeah which which is very um very good for, for for our industry and in london particularly where maybe their first second kind of career moves that people are within within our organization um and we've got our kind of a strong kind of middle management team who have been with us kind of five plus years now. So they've really been with us across, across that journey. So that, that does make a lot of that cultural stuff quite, More quite, stable. quite, quite, yeah. quite stable. And obviously yeah. it, it, it did help massively during COVID when, you know, we, we were all suddenly talking, talking over our laptops and, and, and not, not seeing each other. And, and, you know, that's, uh, that, that does pose some, some challenges there. Yeah. For sure. So uh, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you and wanted to learn more, is there some way for them to contact you? Uh, yeah. So you can uh, you can find out more about the, the business at adulike.com. My Twitter handle is, I need to look this up now, it's Dale Lovell. LDN. I could maybe share that with you, actually. Um, and, I, and obviously, a, a, a a quick search on LinkedIn and my, my face should pop up. Yeah. And I, I do also publish a monthly newsletter uh, called the soup is getting cold, which is available on the Substack. And you need to tell us about the soup is getting cold because I just love it. Yeah. So that was something kind of born out of, uh, out of lockdown kind of la- la- last year. Obviously uh, my, my background is, is kind of journalism, um, incre- as, I, as I said, increasingly the last few years, apart from writing the book on native advertising, I, I haven't really had much opportunity to, to, to do a lot, of, a lot of writing. I'm interested in speaking to you know, business people, marketing experts and, 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 and whatnot. So I was also very keen to explore the, the Substack phenomenon and, and kind of everybody creating newsletters. I'm a, I, I subscribe to, to loads of these newsletters. So during lockdown, I basically felt like maybe I should uh, explore that avenue. And I came up with the idea of a, a monthly interview newsletter where basically I, I chat with um, chat with interesting people uh, like your, like your good self um, and, um, and, and, and kind of, write up the interview and, 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 and kind of publish it. And it, and it, and it's grown nicely. It's, 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 um, you know, scaling well, I'm, I'm really, ha- really happy with it as a, as a kind of side side project. And, um, yeah. I'm, keeps I'm, your quill I'm, busy. It keeps my quill busy. Yes. Yeah. And well, I, I just appreciate you so much in, uh, I love your story. Uh, I love that your, your, the business has grown and it's scaled and, and uh, 
Uh, do you have one, one thing that you could leave with listeners on something they could do today that would help them to be a more effective leader for their business? Praise in public, criticize in private. Wise words. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dale, for being a guest on Lead with Trust. And uh, it's obviously clear to me that you are definitely a trusted leader in your business and much appreciated. I'm so excited to know more about your business. And I'm just so glad that it's it's going so well and continued growth, continued blessings in your business. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. And that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone who you think can really use this message that you got today. And also, please leave us a review. You know, your honest review, wherever you listen to your podcast would be much appreciated. And of course, the more reviews we get, the better they are, the better for the podcast. I'm truly on a mission to get more and more people to understand that trust is the essential element. So I hope you'll be part of that. You know, this show really exists to help you leaders to build your business on a foundation of trust so that you can reap the rewards of becoming that top performer in your market. I see over and over where no one can possibly reach the levels of those people that understand how to build a high trust culture in their business. Now today, if you're really curious about starting your trusted leader journey, you can get started right away if you just take the free trusted leader profile and you can learn where you fall along the trusted leader continuum. And this really can unlock your confidence on where you are and what you need to do. It's very specific on what you can do gives you a snapshot of your leadership style. So if you want to take that, just go to www.sudico.com and then forward slash profile, and you will get immediate access to the trusted leader profile. Once again, that is www.sudico.com forward slash profile. All right, that's a wrap. I just can't wait to hang out with you again on our next episode.